0: Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have the privilege to come to you right Right now. And we pray that you would be our vision, that we would see you clearly this hour. And Lord, I pray that you would feed us with your word and with your spirit, that you would teach and illuminate this passage to us, that we can see this gracious invitation for what it is. And may you give us rest to our restless souls as we come to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me say at the onset of this message, happy Mother's Day and congratulations graduates. I think it's especially sweet to be recognized here on Mother's Day, knowing how much your moms have done to get you to this point, amen? Amen. amen. There's no purer love that we can experience in this life than a mother's love. Willing to sacrifice at all costs, willing to take your burdens upon her shoulders and to carry you. Where does that heart come from? Well, I believe that God has put it there in the heart of a mother in order for us to be able to see what the heart of our Creator wants us to see in humility, displayed ultimately in a gracious Savior. It is my prayer that this message would be especially encouraging both to you today as we look into the heart of Christ, as we look into this incredible invitation. Of all the hopes and all the dreams that we can have for you graduates at this time in your life, I would sum it up that I would want you to have a close walk with Jesus. That's it. I know it sounds simple, but I know it can be incredibly difficult, especially with all the stumbles that come along our life and come along our way. And it can be very difficult to be able to try to stay in God's good graces and live up to the expectations that have been placed upon you and the expectations that you put upon yourself. So what I wanna do this morning is to give you specifically an image that Jesus has given us that will inspire you and it will give you vision for how you walk this life close to him. And I believe it's going to be a blessing for you. I believe you're going to remember it all the days throughout college, throughout your life. And I pray it will be a blessing to our church family as we have the opportunity to look at this incredible offer from our gracious Savior. If you'll turn in your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. and It has meant so much to me, and I pray that it would bless your life. I know we have worked through it in our exposition, as we've gone verse by verse, as Pastor Blair has led us, but I would like to return there just to spend a few moments and linger here at these three verses in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And there's four words that I want you to be able to, to chew on, so to speak. I've been marinating in this passage here for now several years, and I want you to get a taste of the riches of Christ's words here. And they really can be summed up really in four words that summarize and can put an outline to this message. It's come, take, learn and rest. You guys got it? Come, take, learn and rest from our gentle and lowly savior. Verse 28, let's read it together. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I read those words, I can almost see a smile to several of your faces as you hear those words of life. Doesn't that sound so good to you? Rest for our souls. So who do you turn to and where do you go? If you find yourself not at rest? Well, if you're a first-century Jew, the original audience to which Jesus gave this offer, you would turn to the precious law of God that's been handed down by your fathers and grandfathers. That precious law of God was to be that access point unto God. But your leaders The smartest, the most studied, the most learned, the ones entrusted to teach you, they have an appearance of godliness, but it's repulsive. They have missed the heart and the beauty of the law, and they've turned it into a long list of do's and don'ts. In fact, the Pharisees had developed a system of 613 laws. 365 negative commands and 248 positive laws. And by the time that Christ came, it produced a heartless, cold, arrogant brand of righteousness that was so blind that they did not recognize their Messiah. Jesus called these leaders hypocrites and he quoted Isaiah and he condemned them. And he said, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Jesus says later in this book, uh, they preach, but they do not practice. They tie heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on, upon people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move it with a finger. In Acts 15, Peter, as he's preaching, he referred to these extra rules as a yoke that neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. These Pharisees missed grace. And they were weighing down these believers with expectations that were apart from faith. This invitation is for all. It's for unbelievers who are caught up trying to be able to cover your own good works by being righteous enough to stand in God's presence. It's also for believers who are living under the weight and the false burden of trying to stay in God's good graces. Can you relate? I want to read to you a testimony, a testimony. When I first read it, changed my life because it was where I was at. Testimony is by Milton Vincent. It's written by the author of the gospel primer, which was a significant turning point as I had the opportunity to digest this gospel message. And I could so identify with his words, and I believe you can too. He titles this section of his book, Laboring Over Justification. It's a little bit lengthier page, but I want to read it. I want you to be able to hear the whole spirit of it and the whole heart of it, because I think you're going to connect. He says this, My problem was certainly not a lack of faith or professions of faith. My problem was that I couldn't seem to figure out how to stay in the good favor of God. I would have never acknowledged this to be the case at the time, but I labored for most of my life to maintain my justified status before God. And I was always left frustrated in my attempts to do so. The God I believed in was frequently angered at me when i would come into his presence to make some wrong to to make right some wrong his arms were tightly folded and his eyes were slow to meet mine i imagined him angry with an angry look on his face and it was always up to me to figure out some way to mollify him i figured that if i beat myself up sufficiently in his presence and i pled with him long enough or i just waited a few hours to put a little distance between me and my sin then he might warm up to me again This view of God would work for a short while, but eventually the sheer quantity of times I failed would reach a threshold where I was convinced that He was fed up with me. I also grew weary of always falling out of His favor and having to confess or work my way back into His good graces. Exhausted by such efforts, I would eventually give up trying to relate to God at all. And I would then go weeks or even months where all I did was simply not to do something stupid or overtly sinful. But inwardly, I found myself harboring sin. And eventually, I would find myself acting out in ways that would frighten me or bring the Spirit's conviction upon me. Feeling convicted over such sin, I would return to God as a prodigal and renew my efforts to please Him this time around. And with a burst of energy and with passion, I would throw myself into trying to relate to God once again only to end up a short time later exactly where I was so many times before, frustrated, fed up, and exhausted. He says, I operated this way through college and seminary and even through the first decade of the pastorate. All the while I hung onto my faith because I knew something better was available. I just didn't know how to get it. God was gracious to teach me Many things along the way that continued to move me forward, but rest in Christ eluded me. Can you relate? I certainly could, and if I already to be honest, I still do at times. I struggle to be able to think I've done enough for God. I know better. But I still struggle." So who do you turn to? And where do you go in those moments where you're exhausted? You don't know what to do next. In the midst of all the offers out there, hear Jesus say, come to me. It's astounding, isn't it? The God of the universe who spoke existence, all that we know into being. He says, come to me. That's the first part of the invitation, and it is absolutely astounding what He did to be able to allow you to draw near to Him. In the midst of all the offers, graduates, that you're going to find. TO BE ABLE TO PLACE YOUR FULFILLMENT IN. AND THERE WILL BE MANY OFFERS. HEAR JESUS' OFFER, COME TO ME. COME TO ME. JESUS, AS HE WAS TALKING TO THE WOMAN AT THE WELL, THIS IS THE OFFER THAT HE MADE TO HER. JESUS, KNOWING THAT SHE HAD SEARCHED TO FIND HER FULFILLMENT IN RELATIONSHIPS, JESUS CONFRONTS HER AND SHE SAYS, He says, you have had five husbands, and the one that you're with now is not your husband. And she is struck. She says, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And then she tries to be able to find out there is a debate going on on where people can go to get right with God. And Jesus looks to her with such compassion, and he says, I who speak to you am he. It's the offer. Come to me. Isn't that a beautiful offer? Christianity is not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with a living God who took on flesh, became man, so that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Christianity is about what Jesus has done. All other religions are about what you must do in order to find fulfillment and satisfaction for your soul. Jesus has paid it all. Hebrews 10 tells us that the law could never by the same sacrifices repeatedly, endlessly, year after year make perfect those who would draw near to worship. These sacrifices were offered in anticipation of the ultimate sacrifice that Christ would make at the cross. The scripture says after he offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. After performing his ultimate sacrifice, he rested, he sat down, he accomplished full atonement for you and for me. Amen? Jesus labored on the cross to pay the penalty for every one of our sins so that you can rest. Isn't that sweet? Jesus labored so you don't have to. This is Jesus' claim, the weary search for what you have been created for ends in Himself and His person. In this act of coming, you are to fully trust Him. You are to believe in Him. When He says that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, you realize and you believe that and you trust that, and you died to sin just as He died to sin. And as He was buried, In that tomb, you're to remember that my sins are buried. I'm no longer to walk in the same way that I walked. When He rose again, conquering sin and death, that means you have resurrection power. You can do that which you didn't thought thought you could do. You can walk in a newness of life. That is the message of the Gospel. This invitation ends in Himself. You may want to run away because you've stumbled. There'll be times when we'll go through this life and we will fall. And you want to be able to run from the only one that can actually make sense of it all because that's our default, that's our nature. We want to run and hide in shame. Yet Jesus comes, where are you? It's the same question that he came pursuing in Adam. He was asking Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to identify his need. And that's the place that we are able to receive this gracious invitation. Stop. Let your shame be interrupted by the offer. Come to me. He sees it all. He knows your thoughts before you think them. That's kind of scary, isn't it? He knows and his and his thoughts are precious. How vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they would more than number the grains of the sand. Your thoughts of me are precious. And he looks at us, and he wants us to come to him. The next part of the invitation here, point number two, is take from him. Take. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And look at verse 29. Take. Take my yoke upon you. He is referring to a wooden crossbeam that's fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or cart that they are to pull. So Jesus, knowing that his hearers would be familiar with this tool, he uses this as an illustration of what he's offering. Jesus tell them, tells them that he has come here to give them rest, and then he introduces them to a device that communicates work. Isn't that just like Jesus to be able to lay this paradox upon us? He offers them this yoke. Can you picture that yoke? I hope that you can. Some of you are not, and you know what I'm talking about. That yoke, he, he says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. And Jesus oftentimes offers these paradoxes. We live by dying, our weakness is our strength. Being, exu- being humble, we get exalt- uh, uh, exalted, excuse me, we receive by giving, and we find true life when we lose ours. I want you to listen to this quote. It says it so well. It's by Arthur Pink, an evangelist, a scholar. It may sound like a paradox, yet in reality, it's far from being the case. Instead, the yoke of Christ bringing its wearer into bondage, it introduces him into real liberty, the only genuine liberty there is. It was the Lord Jesus who said, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is where your liberty is found when you take the yoke. Take my yoke. Means as our coming to Christ implies. It means turning your backs, turning your neck away from all that is opposed to him. So the taking of his yoke upon us presupposes us throwing off our yoke that we formerly wore, namely the yoke of sin, the yoke of self, the yoke of self-pleasing. Thus coming to take Christ's yoke means that you are willing to change your master. Are you following me? You're willing to change masters. Taking up his yoke means that you no longer offer your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather you offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, offering the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be our master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Do, not, do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are the slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. That is what's involved in taking his yoke. When Christ said, take my yoke upon you, he does not ask us to wear something that he hasn't already wore. The Bible says, even though he was God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. But taking the form of a servant, he humbled himself becoming like a man in order that Christ may exalt him. So Christ's offer is an offer of submission. It's an offer of subjection. Will you be willing to make him the Lord of your life? Are you willing to bend the knee and bow the head, confessing that you need him? And that leads to the next phrase. The next phrase, learn. Learn from me. Learn from me. Come to me. Take my yoke and then learn from me. Now this is beautiful. This is the picture we have to get. What Jesus says is staggering. Often farmers, in order to break in a young ox, they would take an older seasoned ox and they would let that younger seasoned ox walk in step with that older ox. And as that older ox began to take steps, that younger ox would have to learn how to be able to walk at the same pace, in the same direction as that old, more seasoned ox would walk. So when Jesus says, I want you to learn from me, because he is humble and lowly, you see that yoke. He says, I have submitted to the Father. I am in this yoke. I invite you to come step in this yoke with me, to humble yourself and come walk my walk. Come team up with me. That is the picture that I want you guys to be able to have all your days as you walk away from here. That's how you will maintain a close walk with Jesus. When it gets hard and you want to be able to pull away, you want to be able to go over here, you say, no, I'm in the yoke and I am teamed up with Christ and I'm going to look where he looks and I'm going to follow where he leads. That image alone will grab your heart and it will give you peace like nothing else. Jesus is a humble lowly, kind-hearted leader. And so I ask you, are you ready to learn from him? Are you ready to step in that yoke? Because what he has pictured for you is so much better than what you could ever picture for yourself. I want you to listen to this quote by Spurgeon as he's writing and as he's been marinating in this passage, and he says it so well. I am to bear one end of the yoke upon my shoulder. Come my disciple and place your neck under the, under the other side and then learn from me. Keep in step with me. Be as I am, do as I do. I am meek and lowly in heart and you, your heart must be like mine. And then we will work together in blessed fellowship and you will find working with me is a happy thing. For my yoke is easy to me, and it will be to you. Come, then, my true yoke fellow. Come and be yoked with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is an amazing picture, isn't it? I want you to get this, because this is where we live. The actual theological reality is even better than the illustration. Jesus actually said, it is better that I go away to the Father, because when I'm going to go away to the Father, I'm going to send another helper, another one like me. But he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. He's going to indwell you. He is going to come to possess you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is not interested in your mere profession. He wants to possess you. He wants to come take over. And he wants to do what he wants to do through your life if you're willing to accept that. And you're willing to be his hands and be his feet, to be his mouthpiece. Jesus says, I'm kind. And if you learn from me, you will do what I called you to do in sync with me. Isn't that beautiful? Of all the things that Jesus calls us to do, if you realize some of the things they cause us to do, you can't do it in your own strength. There's no way. I can love the unlovable. I can forgive the person that does not deserve forgiveness in my life. No, you can't do it. The verse doesn't say, I can do all things if I just try harder. It says, I can do all things through Christ that gives me Strength. Y'all get it? He is calling you to do that which he was going—wants to do through you. It is our job to lean in tight with him, to listen to him, because you are the very means of grace in the person next to you that he wants to be able to communicate his love. This is beautiful. This is the church. WHEN YOU DIE TO SELF, WHEN YOU ARE CRUCIFIED WITH CHRIST, THEREFORE YOU NO LONGER LIVE. YOU PICK UP HIS CROSS AND YOU WALK WITH HIM. I NO LONGER LIVE THE LIFE THAT I USED TO LIVE IN THE FLESH. I NOW LIVE BY FAITH IN THE SON OF GOD WHO GAVE HIMSELF UP FOR ME. HE NOW INDWELLS ME. HE POSSESSES ME. AND HE WANTS TO COME ALONGSIDE AND DO what He does in life of others through you. You're gonna have friends in your life that are gonna be searching for fulfillment and satisfaction. You are gonna be the answer for their hope. You're gonna be able to have the hope that is within you. It is gonna be the gracious gift that they have been created to receive. You are to present this gracious offer of the Savior and to represent Him to a dying world. You are to be ambassadors to carry the message of reconci- reconciliation to this world that desperately needs to be reconciled. Do you hear that, church? I'm just talk- not just talking to the graduates. This is a message for us. Amen? Oh, if we can get this, it will be absolutely beautiful. I have no clue where I'm at. LET'S JUST TAKE IT TO THE LAST POINT, COME, TAKE, LEARN, REST, REST. NOW HERE IT IS, HERE IT IS, THIS IS BEAUTIFUL, HERE IT IS, REST. REST IS DEFINED AS TO BE FREE FROM WHATEVER DISTURBS YOU, TO BE FIXED AND TO BE SETTLED TO BE CONFIDENT, TRUSTFUL, TO LEAN ON, TO REPOSE, TO DEPEND ON ALL THAT IS EMBODIED IN OUR SALVATION, THAT IS YOUR JESUS. HE IS YOUR REST. JESUS INVITES ALL BURDENED INDIVIDUALS TO COME TO HIM FOR REST. Yet we so often misunderstand what he means. When stresses or problems weigh us down, the most natural response for us is, Lord, take it away. I can't carry it no more. And we want to be able to bring our request to God and we want to drop that that burden off and we want to walk away. Like dropping off the garbage. We want to put it at the curb and we just want to walk away. Jesus is not interested and taking your garbage away. He's interested in carrying you. Christ's invitation is to join Him in this yoke as you work together. The yoke of Christ is a symbol of discipleship characterized by submission and obedience. He longs for us to have a trusting relationship in Him. This process of lightening the load, begins with learning to know and understand your Lord. The burden is not necessarily removed, but our thoughts thoughts, and our responses are changed as we begin to love Him and trust Him and walk in step with Him. All of a sudden, you begin to believe in the promises of God, and you begin to put them in play, because without the promises of God, you will not partake of the divine nature. Those promises are given so that you can trust Him at His Word. So you gotta learn, you gotta lean on the Word. You gotta read the Word. You gotta dwell in the Word. You gotta marinate in the Word so it comes out of your pores. And when you live in a relationship like that, all of a sudden you're listening to what He's telling you to do and you're being sensitive to be able to say what He wants you to say and to be able to serve the way He wants you to serve. And the weight of the affliction that you're experiencing, all of a sudden, it's it's, it's there, but you don't feel it anymore. Because he's the one that's doing the lifting. You follow me? He's the one that's giving you the strength to do. That's why Peter says, we're to serve in the strength that God supplies so that he gets all the glory. Amen? He... Is our rest. Isn't that a good word? Graduates, in all your learning, when life gets challenging and you stumble, and you will, have faith and hear Him say, Come to me. Take my yoke. Learn. AND I WILL GIVE YOU REST. HEAR HIM SAY, WHEN YOU, LIFE GETS CHALLENGING, AND YOU STUMBLE IN YOUR FAITH, AND YOU FEEL LIKE NO ONE IS THERE FOR YOU, HEAR HIM SAY, I AM. I AM. THAT'S WHO HE IS. MOTHERS, IN ALL YOU DO TO SERVE OUR FAMILIES, when your strength is gone and you still feel like you're not enough to meet all your family's demands, hear him say, I am, I am enough. Dads, in your role as protector and provider for your family. And when you can no longer watch over your family under your roof and you wonder who is adequate to take care of my children, hear him say, I am. Put all your trust in him. He is able. Understanding his provision and his purpose will lead to glorious peace and you will fulfill the purpose of why He's created you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for our gentle and lowly Savior that comes to us and He offers a different way. And this is such a gracious invitation may we not hear it as a demand, but may we hear it as a gracious offer. Come. There are many of us, Father, that need to hear that word specifically. We have been running away from the very God who has created us. We are trying to be able to earn our own righteousness by our own good works. We've never bent the knee. We've never humbled ourselves, and we've declared that we are a sinner, and there's no way that our sin can merit favor before you. There are some here today that have never confessed with their tongue that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today, may they here come. There are those of us here today, Lord, that are exhausted, trying to work to atone for their salvation, trying to work for rest, trying to stay in God's good graces yet failing day after day, Lord, I pray that they will hear your words today, come, turn around, repent, throw off that other yoke and take mine. Mine is so much better, mine is easy. Mine is kind. Lord, I pray as we accept that yoke, that we would be passionate and consistent to be able to learn from you, that you would give us a heart to want to be in your presence. If you love somebody, you're not gonna have to tell them you need to spend time with them. If you love somebody, you're gonna want to spend time with them. So, Lord, may we love you with every ounce of our being, and may we just want to pull up our word and find rest. Lord, I thank you for this gracious offer, and I thank you, Father, for this invitation. I pray that we would receive it and that we would find the rest that we're created for and see the fruitfulness in our life that you made us for. We know that only you are able to accomplish that which you call us to do. But we can thank you and bless you because you are faithful and great is your faithfulness.